It's Everything Football Fantasy Podcast, built upon the love of the beautiful game. We're back, and we're missing a couple of people today, but we uh, have some big results to talk about. There has been a few bad results for teams who are looking for that uh, Champions League spot. A couple of people uh, in and around the re- relegation zone, some pretty worrying signs for them as well. We're going to break it down. It's just Ellen and Scott today. Let's go. Episode 17, uh, we're cracking along. Dill, just me and you today. We've had a couple of people pull out late entries. Just us, mate, but we'll hold the fort. Lots to talk about, um, both fantasy-wise and Premier League-wise. I know. Uh, looking forward to it. Yeah, it's been a, uh, a tough tough time for uh, pretty Some. much everyone but Liverpool fans at the moment, if we're being honest. 2-0 uh, win. We'll, st- we'll go back up the fixtures, shall we? 2-0 to Liverpool over United. Um, as a United fan... Tough cookie to uh, take, but uh, happy with the performance, to be honest. We were missing Marcus Rashford, a uh, bit of a mishap versus Wolves in midweek. Double fracture should take him out for kind of six to eight weeks, which is bad news for United fans. It was a single fracture before Oli played him, but we'll, we'll talk about that. It was. Uh, and double uh, kind of, there's no way that we were going to get two results without Rashford against Liverpool in one season. So what's your initial thoughts on the game, Dill? Business as usual, almost for for Liverpool. I, I think I don't think this result comes as a surprise um, to anyone. Yeah, you're right. You know, United they they weren't actually too bad. They they gave it a crack. Um, obviously, you know, game could have really gone either way in a sense. Uh, and I mean by that, I don't think Liverpool are ever going to lose it. But you know, if that Firmino goal stands, which it definitely could have, you mm. know, it, you've seen them not a foul. I, I don't think so, but, I, you know, I'm probably a little bit biased, but um, you, you could just you could cop it on the chin. Some go your way, some don't. Uh, if that goes in 2-0, I think that was about the 27th minute. I think we really go on and, um, and kind could of have been an hit you guys for a few point. there. But yeah. then, um, you know, it, it didn't happen. You guys stayed in the game, um, almost copped the onslaught, onslaught early in the second half. Um, realistically, should have, and I have no idea how... It didn't equalise. Yeah. And then obviously... On a couple of occasions almost mm. as well, to be honest. That that one from Martial, though, you know, that's a standout. And that's, you know, Premier League football. You've got to put that out yeah. away. Manchester United striker. It's got to go in, no question. Um, the second goal to Liverpool, that's just... That happens, right? End of the game. Finish it off. Done. Yeah. And I think the kind of... I mean, I know you're not going to say it. And you've not been wanting to say it all season. I think Andrew, uh, who's not with us tonight, but he's... Sat on the fence of saying it. I can't lose it from here. Look, it'd be a monumental <laughs> fuck up to, to lose it from here. I think it's 16 points now with a game in hand. So yeah, let's assume we win that based on current form. That's 19 points. So we then, you know, how many games we've got to lose then? Yeah. I, um, as, a, as a United fan and having grown up, kind of knowing that Liverpool fans are, you know, proud Always sat in the past a little bit, lived on their former glory. The fact that you guys are just literally romping to this title, it kind of almost makes it a little bit bearable as a fan of another team that you guys have been almost champions 
in the halls uh, all season, to be honest. City haven't put up much of a fight. They got another 2-2 draw against Palace. Um, you know, there's no chance of, of Leicester as well. They've got a little bit of a reality check going away to Burnley and losing to a Burnley side, which is underperforming pretty much for the last kind of five or six weeks over the Christmas period. It, 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 it's, it's all but done. But, you know, 30 years, 30 years, you don't want to say it now and um, have it bite in the bum, you know. Yeah. So, you know, you know, much like everyone around the club, I think, is saying at the moment, let's just, let's just chill out until it's actually done and, yeah. then, and then celebrate properly because you just, you just never know. Yeah. It's, everything looks perfect at the moment, but, yeah, it's been a long, long time. So let's, um, let's give it another few weeks and then hopefully we can say those beautiful words. Yeah, and I mean, we'll, we'll come back to the United uh, situation, specifically the Liverpool game as well in, in a little bit, but a couple of other kind of touchy results. Just mentioned, obviously, City versus Palace. Uh, Newcastle pinching one against Chelsea as well. I know there's a few uh, Newcastle fans as part of the Everything Football family, and they are uh, very, very happy. <laughs> They're pretty chuffed, but I think Chelsea fans, who we've got quite a few of as well, they can they can be pretty happy, I think. They dominated that game, um, 70% of the ball. Um, it was just a case of not being able to break down the bus that was parked, essentially. Um, and, and Frank Lamps, he addressed that. In the press conference, he said that you know they need. He, he basically said in no uncertain terms that they need someone world class up front. Um, but yeah, I think from a, a Chelsea perspective, they can still uh, be fairly optimistic. I think um, based on performances, results haven't always gone their way, but that's um, that's sort of what happens. I just want to touch on Kepa. I posted a stat in the Everything Football Group this week. He's uh, the fifth worst goalkeeper in all of Europeans Europe's top leagues. Uh, 127th out of 132. Safe percentage, uh, 55.4%. 72 million pounds. 72 million, 75 million, 72 million, I'm pretty sure. Chelsea paid for his services. I mean, it doesn't look like he's worth that much at the moment. I mean, we're, we're, we're busy sitting here saying, uh, you know, Maguire's not worth 80 million, you know, and yet Chelsea have a goalkeeper who, you know, wants yeah. to be the coach. <laughs> And also, you know, it's kind of flying underperforming, flying under the radar a little bit, hasn't it? Um, that was definitely a panic buy from Chelsea. Um, you know, uh, Catois sort of forced his way out, and they needed someone quick, smart. But I, I, if I was Lampard, I'd make a statement now. Mm. Um, they've got. Um, they can buy people now. They can buy while. people, but they've also got. Um, is it Caballero um, yeah. as backup? He's no mug. Yeah, uh, I'd throw him in. I'd make a statement because that. That's kind of unacceptable, really. And when you look at the um, the goals they've conceded, back now, right? Yeah. Another result was actually the first fixture of the weekend. Spurs drawing with Watford now. Now, Spurs, understandably, were millimetres from having a goal which got ruled out by VAR. Mourinho, you know, he's not really picked up any kind of momentum. Are you kind of worried where he's what he's going to do? What do you think? He's signed someone. Ericsson looks like he's definitely on the way out. Yeah, I, I, I'm not too worried for for him or about that. I think he is – I think he's still incredible. I think he's still got a hell of a lot to offer. Uh, he's still got to put his spin on that squad. Um, you know, he's not brought in a single person of his own yet. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I kind of – I feel like he'll have the rest of this season and then and then next season. Not, not as a free throw, but 
I don't think that there'll be too much pressure on him for, for this year. Of course they'll want Europe. Um, but I, I think that knowing him, he's pretty shrewd, he's pretty confident with himself. I, I think he would have come in knowing um, or, or had it put in, I should say, that this year is going to be hard. So I, th- I feel like from a board level there won't be too much pressure on him. Um, but next year I would anticipate that there will be big expectations. So you're happy with the Premier League table? Liverpool looking pretty. I am. I also know you'll be happy with the Fantasy Premier League table as well. Uh, we've been talking a lot about the last... Well, actually, literally from week one, I think you started of us uh, four members of the Everything Football Fantasy podcast, the lowest, sitting at one point, I'm pretty sure, two or three off the bottom. Uh Yet now you've actually made quite a milestone. And we didn't know this until we just had a glance because this points hadn't updated. Jesh pulled out last minute not being able to be here. Uh, might have actually had a little, <laughs> maybe had a little glance at the Fantasy Premier League table. You've actually just managed to overtake him. A couple of points in it. Um, look, this year started really rough, but hey, hopefully I can bring it home. Um, so three points on Jesh now. And, uh, you know, when you're on the way up, momentum's a big thing in football, as we know. So, <laughs> Scotty. Oh, I don't know you. if you catch me. You're 70 behind, uh, 80 behind. I had a couple of terrible weeks over the uh, Christmas period, as I mentioned last week, 30-point 30, 30 game weeks. I actually had uh, Rashford as captain this weekend as well in the hope that, uh, well, I didn't actually know he had a broken back at that point, but um, it's broken my back now that I've, I bought Rashford quite a long time ago so the value I'm selling him for isn't actually going to get me much on the market and it's a bit of a question who who we uh, we swap in if you don't know Liverpool have a two game game week uh, this week in Fantasy Premier League so if you do, if you have a triple captain you need to be dropping it on Mane, Salah Van Dijk seems to be getting some goals as well so you'll be looking to get a lot of points off Liverpool players this week you should have at least three in your squad um, just taking a glance at your squad Dill yeah, big opportunity for me now heading into this one. So I've had Salah as captain all year. I've had Trent and Robbo all year as well. I've kind of stuck with them, which um, has paid off in the last few weeks, obviously with the seven clean sheets in a row, or is it six? I don't know. can't remember, but it's a few. So that's helped. Obviously those two get um, gets plenty of assists as well, especially Trent. So that's kind of paid off. So, yeah, look, it's definitely close between well, myself and Jesh at this stage. I, I think I'll see it out a bit of pressure on him there but we'll see but also at the top of our um actual everything football league it's pretty tied up there as well there's a little bit of movement happening but if you look at um you know between the sort of top one to to six it was 16 16 points in it yeah and so it was actually it was tight. a tough game week for a lot of them as well because people well most people didn't expect Leicester to go away with the form that they're in and lose uh, to Burnley, nor do they expect Jamie Vardy to miss a penalty. And the amount of people in that top 10 who had Vardy as a captain, nice multiplying zero, uh, it gives you zero. And I think there's four, five people in that top 10 that had uh, Vardy as captain. I didn't manage to capitalise on absolutely anything. I kind of got saved in my game week points by having Van Dyke in my squad. Um, but, yeah. I think a lot of the top... top um few there without looking now but based on what we looked at earlier in the season are very heavily reliant on De Bruyne and Sterling yeah um, and if, if they don't deliver then uh, their points sort of suffer a little bit um, but I mean for this game week you got Jonathan in second 47 points that's um that's nothing to be mugged off based on sort of averages this week but um, the other guys in there it's a it's a little bit low in the 30s which um, you know being up the top they've definitely been more consistent than that throughout the year so 
definitely an opportunity there for someone to take it out and maybe uh, stamp a bit of authority on the league. One of the things as well is when Leicester lose, Liverpool lose. Oh, sorry, Liverpool. Um, oh, I don't know what that's like. Sorry, yeah, um, not this season anyway. Or not pretty much for, what is it? Not over 90, a year, but... 91 points of the possible 93 yeah. uh, in the last however many games it is. You can do the math. Um, but Leicester losing, I had three people from Leicester in my squad. Um, Rashford being in there, playing Liverpool as well. It's just, it's just not a good time. But Leicester, they are at home to West Ham this weekend, so... Likely some points to come from that, and obviously Liverpool double game week. Wolves and West Ham. Wolves are in a bit of form. They managed to get a win, three-two uh, after losing to United midweek, which, to be honest, could have gone either way in that game as well. Um, yeah, City back uh, away, Sheffield, Chelsea, Arsenal is probably the fixture of the weekend. Who's your call on that? Um, Arsenal in a bit of trouble. Chelsea not exactly. I think that. Ch- I, I think that Chelsea's issues are a little bit similar to United in a sense, and I think when teams go to the bridge and, and try and attack them, which I assume Arsenal would, I think that Chelsea have got enough about them to get that done. Mm. Um, so I, I would back a Chelsea win on that one. Yeah, Arsenal, a weird one, eh? They seem to turn up for the big games at the moment, and they're struggling to find any sort of rhythm in the games where you know teams set up to break them down, um, to kind of just let soak up the pressure and break on the counter. Um, or you know, let them have the ball. I think when Arsenal are under pressure and actually have to chase the ball, it tends to kick them into another gear, and they almost push the game on the opposition a little bit. Yeah, I um, think they've, they've still got Aubameyang out as well, isn't he? Yeah. So, so one more game, I think, for him, or two more games, two more games. I think for two him. more, yeah, and, and they're obviously heavily reliant on him. It's interesting, actually. I wonder if Lacazette will leave because he doesn't seem to be in favour there too much. No, and there was a lot of chat actually about him going. Um, Atletico Madrid a couple of weeks Could ago. Could he feel avoided United, him. mate? It would never happen. But. It would never happen, <laughs> but God, we, we we could do with him, to be honest. Um, don't know what we'd pay. Probably something ridiculous, like 70, 80 million for him. And I, honestly, I don't trust Edward Wood to be able to negotiate something within the Premier League. He can't negotiate something outside of the Premier League at the moment. So um, just on that note, I wanted to get your, your question on this. Is the, the kind of revenue giant in the Premier League for... Literally, literally the entire Premier League era almost has been Manchester United. There's been a lot of chat about City, Liverpool um, overtaking them this season. United already struggled to attract players. Something like Liverpool and City overtaking them. City, I think, was inevitable if United didn't start to win trophies. Liverpool has just been, you know, under clock, ridiculous. Do you think that's, that's almost a, a climb that they won't be able to come back over I think five years ago you probably wouldn't have ever said anyone will jump United but I think it just goes to show that um, you know regardless of how big the club is off the field if the on-field performances aren't there mm. then you know it, it kind of gets forgotten over time um, what's it been seven years is it seven years now since Fergie left But, um, you know, I've I've made the the comment several times. Fergie papered over so many cracks there. He had this uncanny ability to get the best out of average players. Uh, He also knew how to find great players. They also were blessed with um, the class of 92, which, you know, that was essentially a spine for many, many years in that team, right? Or or a large bulk of the first 11 anyway. So, you know, you kind of had that perfect storm, which enabled them to to dominate for many, many years. But from the second that Fergie stepped away, the club's been a shambles. Yeah. That's 
been an absolute shambles. So, you know, I think it's inevitable that, that um, Manchester City took them over just with the investment. Um, and then obviously they've done their talking on the pitch as well. Um, but I heard today Liverpool last season uh, posted the highest profit for a football club in a year ever. Mm. But a lot of jokes were made about uh, the group that took over at Liverpool. Obviously, owners of the uh, Boston Red Sox, um, well-run businessmen. They're almost like the the opposite of Kroenke, who takes over at Arsenal, whereas they're, they're a hyper-invested, hyper-engaged ownership, whereas Kroenke kind of throws his money at it, lets the club run itself. We've seen this, the shareholders exit, Gazetas being one of them, um, walked out. Um, yeah, it's, it's a, that kind of inter-country almost global ownership model. City, obviously, they're what just launched their ninth team that they own in professional leagues around the world. I mean, we've got one just down the road in, in Melbourne. Well, not just down the road, but, you know. And they've just got these feeder clubs. You know, these these it's it's not it's now a global game. It's not about how good your, your business, new thing right? is. Yeah, it's just the business. Um, on that note... to this so I promised I promised on the the Facebook chat that we we're going to talk Manchester United we've touched on it there um, but we want to go more specifically into uh, Oli Oli going to Solskjaer as a manager not as a player and I think the lines are getting blurred you're backing <laughs> him you're backing him yeah. uh, I am not convinced that he's the right man for the job mm. Um and I reckon that your club's in a fair bit of trouble. I can't fucking disagree with the latter. So um, let's uh, – got some stats, but I want to hear first your opinion on why do you think Ollie is the right man for this job? <sighs> okay. Um, there's a couple of – I fucking knew this was coming as well. Uh, and, and I was actually going to – I actually did take a look at the stats and none of them actually helped my cause. <laughs> so I threw those out the window. But uh, so there's a couple of things, right? And, and you touched on it with saying how good Fergie was. I think what also Fergie had uh, was a chief executive who was very, very helpful in David Gill, a very good negotiator, very big presence, character, tall guy, looked like a good executive. Um, and then... When the Glazers went through all of their troubles uh, with all of our fans and the locals and leveraging the club into a whole bunch of debt, um, Fergie stood by them, not because uh, they were doing what was right by the club, but he knew that he could still run the club and maintain success based on the fact that he had that relationship with David Gill uh, and they would still be able to lean on um, the club and its youth and its history and the money it generated. Around that same time, Ed Woodward came in, and off the bat, Ed Woodward is, uh, well, a great businessman in terms of sponsorships. He's certainly growing the United profile around the world. I mean, you can see United players on juice boxes in China if you really want to, but in terms of success on the field, um, and, I, and, and it's, it's painful because even Gary Neville came out this week and said, you know, that if a guy like Ed Woodward is in the spot he is um, and making the same decisions, putting players on high wages, uh, 
not actually contributing to the success of the club, um, you know, why is he still in his job? I think David Moyes was sacked too early. Um, I think Van Howe unfairly was sacked, but he needed to go at that time. Um, Mourinho, I mean, we've talked at length about it on the show in the past this season. He was just a cynical bastard towards the end of it. You know, stroppy, moody. Um, and throughout all of those, I think from the moment we sacked Moyes, we needed somebody to come in and go back to the ethos of the club that the success was built on, not just by Ferguson, but also back in the 60s. Um, and I don't know... It's kind of this, this situation where I don't think Ollie can be... We can get anyone better that's going to do that job more than anything. I don't think it's a one-season wonder. I think he's done well to keep it the way <laughs> to get the success that he has up until this point. But, yeah, I, I can't... I can't. I just don't see anyone better to do the job that Ollie needs to do. I think we were fucked when we had all of these people on super high wages that didn't give a shit about the club that took it as an opportunity to go, yeah, I'm going to earn £300,000 a week. I think Ollie's not been helped by the fact that Pogba's been out all season. I think United have got to cut ties with, and Ferguson did this very, very well, shit agents who control players that actually turn shit up in the media. Can you imagine? Like, when, when Ferguson was in charge, he had those arguments in the media with Real Madrid, not with an agent of a dude who takes a 30 million pound clip of a ticket when we buy an 80 million pound player. You know, we were, we were stuck with that just based on the way that he'd worked his contract out with Juventus. And I think the only reason that we got Pogba back at that point in time was because the agent was getting a massive clip of the ticket. In terms of Ollie on the field, which from a tactical point of view, from a, um, from a tactical point of view, I don't actually have too many concerns. I, I think he's playing the right way with the players that he has. I think he's been astute in the transfer market. I think he um, probably didn't actually start looking at how he could build the squad until he was made a permanent manager, at which point they were going into a transfer window. He didn't really have time to act within a couple of weeks. He was riding the high of that. But the summer was a success, I think. I think he signed good players. Um, to address them individually. Wan-Bissaka is going to be a great player for United. I think he's the right attitude. Um, I've watched a couple of documentaries about Wan-Bissaka and he's a really family kid. He loves to work hard. Um, Daniel James, there's one hell of a player in there. Um, whether Ollie's the man to get it out of him, I think I think he can make him a great Premier League player. I don't know if Ollie's got the capability to make him a world-class player. Um, I think uh, Maguire, and I know that I'll... Be shat on by many people in the Everything Football uh, family for saying this, but he's what we needed. I think he's he's not... He was never a great player at Leicester because he was the best player in the team. He was a great player at Leicester because he was surrounded by uh, people who wanted to work, people who wanted to be part of a system, and he had coaches who drove a system. And I think Ollie's trying to do that. I think he's got pieces of the puzzle that aren't right for the system he wants to play. Maybe physically... Skill level wise, they are, but they're not turning up every week and doing it. I think Maguire gets uh, a bit of. A, I mean, I've said myself, I don't think he's worth eighty mil, but he doesn't choose his own price tag, right? No. He, I think he's better than Smalling. He's better than Lindelof. He's better than um, Bay, and um, <laughs> I don't even need to say his name, but Phil Jones. He's obviously better than him as well. I think yeah. I'm better than him, but <laughs> um, 
Hit me with so the stats. It, what is it? What's the, what did you want to well, raise? Well, like I understand some of what you're you're saying, but a lot of what you listed there is the fact that Fergie had the ability, uh, and I suppose the respect to, to almost run the club, mm. right? Ollie's not doing that. Yeah, he's like he's like a little kid. He's got nothing about him. He's not offering anything. He's not like you can say that. Okay, yeah, he was great in the transfer market. Not really. Like. They signed three players who, yeah, they've done all right, but he also let Lukaku go, didn't replace him. Should have let Pogba go because he's been a cancer in your team, didn't do it, haven't replaced him. So, like, you can you can look at the transfer market in just the sense of the new players brought in, but when you look at the business as a whole, you've been left with massive holes that haven't been filled. Not completely his fault, I'll give him that, but... <sighs> He's a big part of it, right? He said himself that it was his call to um, to let Lukaku go. You talk most recently about um, transfer business and um, what's it, the young kid from Red Bull? Um, help me out with his name, Harland. Mm. Um, Should have signed him. You, and I don't. I say this before he scored that hat trick. That's a great start, but um, you, you should have signed him. And you can say, oh no, that was good business by Ollie because he turned him down. Um, because they had ridiculous demands. They had ridiculous demands because that's the position that your club is in now. Mm. They're not in a power position. So you've got a 19-year-old kid bending you over because there's no pull for him to come to your club. It's not a great club now. It's not superbly ran. You don't have an amazing gaffer. You don't have an amazing squad. There's no pull. Yeah, I think I think a lot of that sits in the back. I mean, when Fergie came in, you know, we had Bobby Charlton ingrained in the club. And Bobby Charlton came from that 60s squad. You know, he was the highest scoring United player at that time. We don't have that back. I think, you know, would Ed Woodward, to kind of further my point from before, he is kind of looking at Ollie going, geez, I don't know what the hell this place is like, bro. Can you please kind of ingrain it? Ollie's fitting in with, with Woodward and fitting in with the owners. I think I think Ollie's he's doing just, he's what he has in to He's playing the role of a man that wants to keep a job long I agree term. with that. I he's agree with not, that. He's not coming in like everyone's like, oh, you know, he's he's united through and through. United through and through is someone that should be losing their shit over what Ed Woodward and the Glazers are doing. Mostly Ed Woodward because there's there's money to spend. But, you know, Ollie's going there, oh, yeah, we don't need anyone. We're happy with what we've got. We'll work with what we've got. Fuck that. You've got to do what Mourinho did, went about it in the wrong way. But you've got you to throw your toys out of the pram. If that's what's got to be done to get the players in for you to deliver a result, that's what has to happen. And Mourinho, based on your previous managers since Fergie, has been your best manager. Yeah. I think he had a... Uh, you know, he, he had a better, a better run at it, to be fair. He had a better squad than what Ollie was left with when Ollie came in, I think. I think, and and partly because some of the signings that Mourinho made didn't hit the ground in that last transfer window before he came in. Um, but to kind of, I mean, you know, we've had this discussion off here and kind of, you know, it got heated at points, but that's more because I'd like to see Oli given a little bit more time. I think it's not the end of the world if, I think honestly that United have a better chance of winning the Europa League than they do finishing in the top four with Rashford out. And the reason I say that is because uh, you know, there's a couple of squads that could give 
United a go, but United are, are better in cup competitions at this point than they are in the league because they're going to play teams who try and play football against them. They don't sit back and try and soak up the pressure. United are, are done for creativity. You know, we can't play Mata because he's too slow in transition for us. GC Lingard and Pereira are, I would hope, on the way out. This, this is also, it's partly players, but that's also partly tactics as well. So yep. again, I bring that back to the gaffer. Yeah, and I've got no problem. I, I, I enjoy watching United playing on the transition, like playing under the counter. And, and that's that's the best United teams I've ever seen. And that I like that. The difference is, is in those games against the lower teams where they soak up the pressure. And this is why we perform against the top teams more, because we have the game taken to us. They, we don't have the creativity to break down a team if we're sitting in the middle of the park. Not without Pogba and his passing range. Not without somebody who's actually can play with his back to goal. Neither Martial, Rashford, Lingard, any of those guys can play with their back to goal, which is why we just sit and pass it around. And again, I mean, Pogba's not going to play for United. He's, he might pull the shirt on again, but he's not going to play for him, yeah. right? He's not. He doesn't love the club. He needed someone that came in, who's got the runs on the board that could get the best out of him. He does it for France. Mm. He's got the uncanny ability. He's such a talent that he can turn it on and off almost. He pulls a France shirt on and he's a bloody different player. What baffles me is you've got two amazing managers available at the moment and United, seemingly a lot of United fans and, and the club themselves are happy just to plot along. They're happy about Pochettino with and who? Allegri. Yeah. They're happy with who would have come in and got the best out of Pogba, by the way. Well, Allegri's done it in the past, exactly. obviously. Yeah. Exactly, but instead you've got this mediocre mentality where, and don't get me wrong, I don't care, I'm a Liverpool fan, I love it, but this mediocre mentality where it's okay because we had an alright performance against Liverpool but and only lost 2-0. Mm. Like, in my lifetime that's never been acceptable, so it baffles me now that it's acceptable just because you've put an average manager in place who happens to be a club legend, so whose let me, let me, statistics let me go the other way are worse than anybody else since Fergie. Worse than every single manager. So if we go for Poch and for Allegri, what's their pull to come to United at this point? I'm, I'm wondering, because the pull's the same way. If you've got... Uh, Allegri more so um, has got the runs on the board. He's won multiple trophies with a top team. Yes. Like, why, why would he come in and work for Woodward? I'm, I'm saying, like, we, we're almost in this situation because we're in this situation. And my my kind of gut feeling is that, okay, if it gives it another year and we don't go anywhere, like, it, the likelihood of us getting relegated is remote. Mathematically possible, probably more likely mathematically than Liverpool losing the league. But, you know, we kind of have to stick with Oli as United fans. And I, I don't see... I don't see what, like, the majority of the noise about Oli out, I mean, the ir ironic calls of Ollie's at the wheel and things are, are to be done. You know, we used to get the calls about Fergie being shit and he was winning trophies. But the United fans that I know are really ingrained in watching the club, what they've done, knowing kind of seeing these teams be built and broken down and built and broken down and being attacked by rival fans for all sorts of things. We, we're kind of sitting here going, fuck, no one's going to be able to do it like Ollie would. And, and okay, we may suffer in the short term and Ollie may kind of ship 